Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. website for details. Good afternoon. It's Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. It is Friday, March 4th, 2011, and my guest today is Allison Lewis. And Allison has written a book called The Seven-Minute Difference. And uh, we are going to spend more than seven minutes today, so maybe we'll become like three times as productive by spending time with you. Allison, why don't you give us a little thumbnail on your background? Hi, I'm Allison Lewis from the beautiful state of Arkansas, and I am a proudly middle-aged 50-year-old woman, uh, the mother of a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old, and at the age of 41, my life changed forever in just seven minutes. And that's the story that I share with people all across the country as an author, as a speaker, and as a, a person that has great hope in uh, in doing things better tomorrow than I did yesterday. So um, it's a wonderful privilege to be with you today. Well, that is great. I'd like to dive right into the book because... Um, you know, as as we take a look at what the Executive Girlfriends Group normally focuses on, I mean, when we were uh, waiting for the call to start, we were talking a, a bit about green juice, which was the topic of, of some of our discussions last week about getting healthier on the inside and, and really um, taking care of yourself so that you can focus on the things that you need to do. And your book dives right in actually talking about purpose and passion before it talks about productivity. So tell me about why you decided to frame it there first. Well, I think that the seven-minute difference starts with what we call the big life questions. Um, when you look at trying to discover meaning in your life, I'd like to just, if you have a piece of paper, ask you to write down or jot down a few questions that as we go through this this program today, I'd like to kind of frame. Uh, first is, what was your life like yesterday? You know, how did you feel when you woke up this morning? Number three, do you have a deep personal understanding of your purpose in life? Do you know why you're here? What makes your heart pound and your palms sweat? Number four, what really drives oh, you're you? Going, you're going too fast to Sorry. write them down. Sorry. <laughs> do you have go, deep... Unless you're really, really fast, and, and we can teach speed writing next week. <laughs> okay. Do you have a deep understanding of your purpose uh-huh. in life? Number four, what really drives you? You know, what is the why because statement in your life why you know as a 50 year old why why do you get up in the morning why are you working what what is it that motivates you number five in the big life questions is who will you choose to be 90 days from today and that's a big one if you want to star that one who will you choose to be 90 days from today number six is why are you willing to work so hard Because we're executives. Why are we working so hard? And the last one is the big one. And that question is, are you happy? Bottom line, are you finding meaning and happiness and joy and fulfillment in today, in the work you're doing right now? So those are what we call the big life questions. And I think that's where 
Chicky was talking about purpose, everything that comes out of the seven-minute difference is really not about, you know, being efficient in seven minutes. It's about stepping back for seven minutes a day, taking seven minutes out of the chaos, out of the noise, out of the busyness of life, to ask yourself these types of questions and to rediscover, to recenter yourself, to refocus your attention on your priorities, which we'll talk about, and to have a better understanding of working from that center point of purpose and then taking seven minutes a day to create a daily plan of action. That is the seven-minute difference, is to be willing to take seven minutes a day to look at your priorities, look at your purpose, and create a daily written plan of action to focus your attention on what will really matter the most in your life. So that is the seven-minute difference, and it does completely revolve around purpose. So that is what you are addressing then in Chapter 2 of Expanding Your Possibilities for Growth? That is correct. Great. So taking that seven minutes. Now, um, you know, clearly it's a whole lot better if you can start uh, your day that way. But a lot of us just get dragged in. Uh, My husband happens to be traveling. So, you know, I had to be up and and in the car by 7 o'clock this morning to take my son to school. And, you know, so I I get dragged into busyness, and I know I'm not alone in that. So what what are your recommendations for getting rid and shedding some of the busyness of our life so that we can focus on those things? I think that is the key question. You know, as a, as a time management expert and a productivity expert, I have to set aside all that we do, everything that, that we work on. And I'm, I have a working on a new book that, that won't be out for um, until January of next year. And as you can imagine, I have a full-time job, and, and I write books as a hobby, and and I have a, two teenagers, so it's just it is just incredibly busy. So what we recommend how you fix that problem is that you take one percent of your time to plan, one percent of your life to plan everything that you want to do, and then ninety nine percent of your time executing. So let me let me kind of put some structure around that. Every ninety days, which is what the seven minute difference is, is set up on. I go away because I'm so busy. I have to get away from the noise, away from the distraction, and I have a, a an agenda for myself that I go through. And during that retreat, basically, that planning retreat, I go back to the critically important things as a 50-year-old, and I have a, a piece that I'm glad to send out to you as a PDF. Chicky, I can send all these pieces to you, and you yeah, can distribute them. Um, but the first thing I do is I look at what my priorities in life are. So I'd like you to just kind of write down some of these because if I were actually teaching a workshop, which we're kind of doing here, I would ask people to to look at a, a worksheet that I have that has a list of 75 priorities on it. And even looking at this list, I'm telling you, <laughs> it kind of helps me answer these big life questions. So I ask people to look at words like love, friendships, um, arts, community, happiness, security, meaningful work, freedom, learning, and I'll send this to you, peace, creativity, integrity, relationships, intellect, excellence, tradition, health, making a difference. And I ask you to take even more than seven minutes, but to take some real time saying what are the things that are of most value to me. And when I did this, and I I do it every 90 days, the last time I did this, my top ten, and I had to cheat because I couldn't narrow it down to ten, were faith, 
family, growing and learning, meaningful work, creativity, peace and freedom, wisdom, health, making a difference, and leaving a legacy. You know, and I look at those things even as I write them and even as I speak them, and I say, that's what I want my life to look like 90 days from today. And that takes immediately takes me away from the busyness. After I do that on my 1%, I turn to the very next PDF, and I rewrite my purpose statement. And if uh, you have not had the opportunity to create a purpose statement, um, Chicky, can I have permission to read one paragraph of, of, oh, of, of my purpose? Um, And this is where my life, when I say my life changed forever in seven minutes, this is what changed my life. It wasn't just understanding my priorities, which actually came afterwards. It was the fact that I was 41 years old, and a friend of mine had come up to me a few weeks earlier. She was 46 years old, and she said, Allison, I've got cancer. I've just been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, and I've got six months to live. Mm-hmm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. She had three teenage children, and uh, I just knew at that moment, literally there was a line in the sand for me, and I was 41 years old. I was completely out of shape. I was slightly overweight. I had a good job, but I, I wasn't engaged in it, and I felt disconnected. And at that moment in my life, I said, I want more. I, life can give me more How do I find it? And it took me 18 months. I mean, it was not an overnight process for me. It took me 18 months to realize that I needed to connect with my own heart and soul and use the gifts and talents that God had given me to share those talents with the world. And I was on a team-building retreat. And back then we didn't know that the average adult has an attention span of just seven minutes, which we can come back to. But um, (laughs) uh, they set a kitchen timer for 15 minutes, and, and For the first eight minutes of that exercise, all I could think about was the laundry on my floor and the bills that I needed to pay and, Mm. and, you know, just things that I needed to do. But with seven minutes left, and I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, almost verbatim, this is what I wrote, and this is out of my book, The Seven-Minute Difference. My purpose in life is growing. In life, I want to grow and change. I want to be different tomorrow than I am today. I want to grow as a wife to be more in love with my husband, to hold hands more often, to enjoy long talks late into the night, and to share our hopes and dreams. I want to grow as a mother, to watch my children mature into their own destinies. I want to grow as a spiritual person, to become kinder, wiser, more hopeful, and more understanding. I want to work at my job with joy and honesty and integrity. I want each day to be filled with fun and excitement and challenge. And I want to help other people bring about meaningful changes in their lives by sharing my discoveries and ideas. And this is where it came out. My Mm -hmm. purpose in life is fulfilled by growing and through helping other people grow. I was 41 years old before I even took seven minutes to write down my purpose in life. My purpose in life is fulfilled by growing, personally learning, personally growing, personally challenging myself, and then taking those things and helping the world grow. And as a speaker and writer, that's what I've been able to do is help others grow. And it changed everything about how my life proceeded from there. So the seven-minute difference for me was taking even seven minutes to answer. I'd like you to write down these five words, my purpose in life is. And uh, just go away for a morning, for a day, every 90 days, and answer that question. 
and see if we can't get away from some of that busyness. And what I do is I look at my priorities, I write them down, I reestablish my purpose statement, and then from that point uh, I create personal goals, which we will go into in a minute. But once I have that framework, I can really clear out the clutter in my life, and if things aren't in alignment with my purpose, I get them out of my life. Just writing <clears throat> that that is wonderful and and just clearing out the clutter I think is one of the things that I crave because uh you know most most folks who are, are entrepreneurial uh you know tend to take on so much personally because they don't have uh you know a team surrounding them that they can delegate to and and uh it's just so easy to get caught up in the minutia and to forget the big picture and and as Rebecca, who <laughs> works directly with me, knows i you know when I latch on to big picture stuff, I just completely light up and when we talk about the the to do list um you know I know it has to be done, but you know to me that is just such tedious stuff because it isn't how you leave a legacy. You know, nobody's ever going to say, wow, she got 30 items on her to-do list done every day. You know, no, that's that's not it for me, I know. So you talk about choosing success every single day. And and so is is that the refocusing and taking that seven minutes and deciding that you're not going to get bogged down? Talk well, to us about that. Okay, when you choose success, you have to, you know, the human mind literally has over a million inputs a second. You know, right now, in fact, I'm sitting here, I, my office is by a highway, there are cars going by, I can hear the hum of the vent, I feel um, the temperature that's around me. There are millions of things that I can see and hear and think about that can distract me. I have to focus my attention like a laser beam on what's most important. So I'd like for you to write on your paper uh, that as a homework assignment to set 90-day personal goals. Everything is 90 days. And so let me give you an example, and then we're going to break it down from 90 days into daily activity, which is how, which is what's so radically different about the seven-minute planning system. Um, if you have personal goals, and, and mine would be something like this. I write them in present tense as though they've already happened because that excites me. And so um, I'm looking at the goals I wrote on January 12th, and they say, I am in the best physical shape of my life. And I love that. Uh, goal number two, my faith is renewed and restored on a daily basis. Goal number three, I finished the manuscript that I'm working on for Simon & Schuster. Number four, I spend quality time with Abby and my son Jay. Number five, and this one cracks me up, my home is clean and clutter-free. So none of these goals have to be earth-shakingly <laughs> big, but they're in writing and they're right in front of me. Mm. Underneath each goal, I have at least five action steps, and that's where it's different. I can... So, for example, I am in the best physical shape of my life. The action is I walk two miles four times per week. Action, I do calisthenics two times per week. Action, I walk the dogs. Action, I drink 60 ounces of water and green juice per day. <laughs> yeah, Action, you can add that now. <laughs> I sleep eight hours per night. <sighs> And, you know, half of the battle is that everybody on this call is exhausted. You know, yeah. you can't go on five hours of sleep. You can't go on six hours of sleep. You might be able to make it on seven, but you need eight. And so these are the actions. Okay, so you do that for your personal. And then on another sheet of paper, you do the same thing for your work goals. And you say, okay, here are the three things, because at work it's harder to do seven things in 90 days. Here are the top three things, because we have 
50 goals, you can't do any of them. But let's right. let's bang the drum a little bit and say, I'm going to do these three. And you do the same thing. So I'm in sales. So I have very specific sales goals about how many people I'm going to prospect, how many people I'm going to talk to, blah, blah, blah. Now, I want you to envision a single sheet of paper. This is the secret sauce of why Chicky has me on the phone today. Your hearts are pounding. You're getting excited. <laughs> what if you then could take those 90-day goals and look at them before you went to bed at night, all the noise that's been in your life, you go back and you look at your priorities, you look at your purpose statement, you look at the 90-day goals, and you say, tomorrow, here are the five things I'm going to do. I'm going to create a written daily plan of action, and we have forms that we use in our planning tools, but you can do it on a, in a notebook, and you can create a written daily plan of action. And you're not going to have 50 to-do items on it. You're going to have five, and we call this your five before 11. And you're going to say, I'm going to accomplish, I'm going to start and finish these five high-value tasks before 11 o'clock. And we get a lot of questions, is that 11 a.m. or 11 p.m.? <laughs> it, it is 11 a.m. Imagine how your different your life would be if first you knew what ignited your passion by igniting back to your priorities. And you knew what was in alignment with your purpose. And you knew what the goals were that you wanted to accomplish in the next 90 days. You knew the action steps you needed to took. And you transferred at least one or two actions onto your daily plan of action, and you said, here are the five things I'm going to focus on. Not 20, but five. You're much more likely to accomplish those five. Now picture this in your head. If for just the next 90 days you would make an emotional commitment today to accomplish five high-value activities over the next 90 days, you would have taken 450 steps towards becoming the person you've always dreamed of becoming. Mm. Wow. And, you know, these are little steps. You've had things on your to-do list not only for days and weeks, but for years. You may have had a light out at your house. You may have had five pounds that you want to lose. You may have had books that you want to read, and they've just sat on that list and sat on that list and sat on that list because there was not enough emotional connection to say, you know what, I really want to do this. Well, that's not really an unfinished task. That's a broken commitment. And when we break commitments to ourselves, we feel bad. And so what I want to do is have a big enough framework that says, here's who I want to be 90 days from today. I already know what it's going to take, and I'm going to take five tiny little steps, and I'm going to make a commitment to that. And then at the end of the day, if I've done the five things, I've made my commitments, which make me emotionally feel great, not bad. And I want to leave the day with my heart pounding and my palms sweating saying, Yes, I'm happy. I'm doing what I'm called to do. I'm in alignment with my life. And that's the seven-minute difference because it only takes seven minutes to say, what are the five things I'm going to do tomorrow? So you talk in the book then about also exceeding your customers' expectations because what you've been focusing on up till now is talking about yourself and and your own expectations of yourself and, and quite often those that are not even articulated and and pulling those out first. So what what is it about exceeding your customers' expectations that also fits into this framework? Well, you know, if, I don't care what business we're in. We're all in, in customer service. And when people come to do business with us, and I, I can't say where I work, um, you know, on, on this because that's just how it is. Right. But um, when they come in, they're surprised and delighted. Everything we do is just a little bit different. 
um, for example, when somebody has come to meet with us and we write them a thank you note, which all of our things are going to, every client is going to receive a thank you note. Another seven-minute difference is that I work on writing two handwritten thank you notes a day, every day. And my thank you notes uh, aren't your normal thank you notes. I have a pad of paper that I got at my local grocery store that is probably 18 inches by 14 inches. It's a sketch pad, and I have our logos put on them, and I write thank you notes with markers that are huge, and we Mm. call them our big thank you notes. And when people get this big envelope with a big thank you note in it, they know I mean it. And, you know, I'll walk in people's offices, and they still have the thank you notes I wrote a year ago. Wow. That customer experience is about being a little different. This year, um, we have a young girl in my Sunday school class who um, is in a wheelchair, and she is the absolute best cookie salesman in the world. We went and bought 50 boxes of cookies. We wrapped them in brown butcher paper. We stuck stickers on them, and we sent Girl Scout cookies to our best customers. And, you know, (laughs) when they got those Girl Scout cookies, they were elated. We got more response back from a $3 box of cookies than anything else we do. And those are the little steps that we think we have to take to exceed our customers' expectations, just to put that smile on their face and say, you know, I care about you. So that's what we're talking about when we we want to surprise and dazzle our customers with everything we do. Well, that's very, very powerful. And, um, you know, I I know I've heard a, a number of people who, who talk just about the power of gratitude and and that just in in whether you're writing a physical thank you note or one of the things that I encourage people who are um you know trying to get more active in a productive way with with social media you know is is to write thank you notes to people in the form of recommendations for them on LinkedIn or on you know some of these new uh tools branch branched out and you know, I think that there is so much power in that. So your your next chapter is about powering growth through momentum. And I can see how if you are getting 450 steps closer every 90 days to who you really, really want to be, that that momentum alone would be incredibly powerful. I, I started um, at the beginning of the year, and, and it really was just coincidental. It wasn't a New Year's resolution. But, you know, I knew that I had to start losing weight. And, and the epiphany... Uh, well, I don't know why it should be an epiphany. I look at myself in the mirror every day. But I, I got on an airplane in Washington, D.C. I've been traveling up there a lot. And I got on the plane, and I almost couldn't get the seatbelt done. And I thought, I will not get a seatbelt extension. I just won't. And so I started uh, working on uh, getting fit. And, you know, like you, I'm I'm uh, in my early 50s, and I have got young kids. My kids are, are in uh, fourth grade and, and seventh grade, and I want to be healthy for them. And now that I'm starting to see results, and I think God gives us um, the weight loss in our face so that when we do look in the mirror every day, because I know a lot of us avoid looking at the rest of our bodies <laughs> on purpose, but you look at your face every day. And I, 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 last week I thought, wow, you know, I have really taken off a lot because I can see it so much in my face. So that momentum that comes from seeing uh, progress and change and, and growth, I can see how that would power growth. Yeah, and we call we have a name for that too. And and you might write down these three little catch words. We call it instigate, validate, and motivate. And um, just on Tuesday of this week, I was interviewing uh, Earl Bell, who is an Olympic 
pole vault, where he won the bronze medal in the 1984 Olympics. And uh, it was just so interesting to go out to his his home, and it's actually a pole vaulting camp where they. It's a pretty impressive little compound, I guess you'd say. And I was interviewing him, and he was telling me a story of a kid named Zach who came to one of his pole vaulting camps. And it's exactly what you're talking about about building that momentum. And Zach came there. He was a high school jumper, and he could jump 10 feet, which is pretty good for a high school pole vaulter. The world record is um, 20 feet 2 inches, but 10 feet in high school is, is very respectable. And Zach had all the speed. He had the perfect time, and he had great execution skills. But he could not jump higher than 10 feet. He was just stuck. And um, one of the other coaches went up to Zach and said, Zach, you are one of the best pole vaulters I've ever seen. He validated him. He said, you are really talented. You have incredible speed. You have fabulous timing, and you have the ability to execute. So he, one of the first things we have to do in our own lives to build momentum is we have to almost look ourselves in the mirror and validate who we are. We have to remember our gifts, remember our own skills, and if no one else is going to tell them to us, we physically need to, maybe on a piece of paper, validate what we are. And uh, so this instigation came because he, you know, Zach went to the camp and then a coach validated him, someone of importance validated him. And then they motivated him. And here's what's ha- what happened is the coach literally put his arms on Zach's shoulders and he said, Zach, you can jump higher. <laughs> and then he said, Zach, jump higher. Jump higher. And on the next jump... Zach jumped 11 feet. Mm. And so I think part of it is we have to instigate the action to get to the right place. We have to be validated. We have to believe that somebody believes in us. And then we have to sometimes just say, it's time to jump higher. We have to take that aggression on and say, if our daily activities are not making us productive, then we're probably just being busy because we're not focused. When we are not sure what's really important, what those high-value activities are, then everything is important. And what we find ourselves doing is unimportant tasks that don't move the needle. So we have to finally have someone look us in the eye and say, Allison, now is the time to jump higher. Just go jump higher. And a lot of what the seven-minute difference is is just telling people, you're wonderful, you can do it, get your priorities and your purpose in place, get your mojo back on, put your happy feet on, and go jump higher. And uh, <laughs> and I do. I've had a, one of the best weeks of my life this week because I came in expecting to jump higher. Well, I can uh, definitely see how, how uh, when someone is actually motivating you on to do that, that it does you know, it does help so much to get out of that place where it's so easy to get bogged down. And, uh, you know, if you can do that for yourself, uh, uh, particularly in writing, I can see if you can incorporate that in, into what you do before you go to bed. I really, really like that particular um, uh, suggestion that you have as part of your program because it, at night, you know, I know that if I don't kind of recap what I have to do the next day, um, you know, my mind just runs and runs and runs and runs once I get in bed. So if you can also take that time, again, just to keep that momentum going through those words, uh, that is very, very powerful. So I can see how then, you know, that leads in into uh, the, the penultimate chapter, which is pushing past the one-yard line and breaking through to peak performance. 
Yeah, I'm going to turn to page 156 in the book because I'm a huge football fan. And, you know, unbelievable as it is, it happened again this year in the Super Bowl, um, that these football teams can get to the one-yard line. And these dudes, isn't that great English? I'm an English major. These dudes (laughs) weigh 300 pounds. They're six foot four. And I'm thinking, good gracious, just lean forward. You know, you can go 36 (laughs) inches if you just lean over. Um, I can't believe they can catch the ball in their own end zone, run it 99 yards, get to the one-yard line with a first down, and they can't go the remaining 36 inches. And yet, as a business consultant, I see this happen every day. In fact, in my own career as a salesperson, I was an average salesperson. I made a great living. I had made it 19 years in my career. I was doing well. But you know what? I wasn't engaged. I didn't love it. And I saw these people producing six and seven times what I was producing and making six and seven times the income. And I thought, first, they're not that much cuter than me. And I know they're not that much smarter than me. Why can't I do what they're doing? Well, I was just 36 inches away. And so on Chapter 6 of of my book, The Seven-Minute Difference, uh, this is what I write about the one-yard line. It's just one paragraph. It says, this phenomenon is not limited football either. Common wisdom in the business community says that although many executives can move a project to 98% of completion, only a few actually finish the the last 2% successfully. I see this 2% rule at work all the time. People achieve true success and growth in their business or personal life only to stop short of fully accomplishing their goals. They do well, but they never quite live up to their full potential. They just cannot seem to push past the one-yard line that separates them from peak performance. And so what I'd like to do is tell a story of my friend Karen Fields. Karen turned 50 three years ago, and she was living that life of four kids at home. Um, Her husband was a physician, and she just woke up one day and said, you know, I just want to feel alive again. And so on her birthday, she told her husband she wanted to go skydiving. Now, that is not exactly what I think I would want to do, but I said, Karen, (laughs) what did you do? She said, well, we drove to Bolivar, Tennessee, which is where it's about 80 miles from here, where the skydiving school was. And they gave us 15 minutes of ground school. And I I said, Karen, exactly what do they tell you in 15 minutes that makes you willing to jump out of a perfectly good plane? (laughs) And she said, well, the instructor said we'd be uh, get on the plane and it would happen very quickly. The plane would get to the correct altitude and he would stand up. And when he stood up, he would tandem us together with these carabiners. And he would be behind me and I would be in front. And he would kind of indicate it was time to walk towards the door. And the door would open and I'd feel this rush of cold air come in. And that's when my heart started beating as she was telling me the story. But I I would want to do this, so I'd start walking towards the door. And he said as we got closer, he would yell in my ear, Karen, cross your arms across your chest. And you'd cross your arms across your chest. And I realized the reason they're telling you to cross your arms across the chest is so when you get to the door, you don't push your arms out and keep them from jumping out. <laughs> And uh, he said, as you get right to the door, that time will begin to stand still, basically out of terror. You know, your breathing will increase, your brain will slow down, you'll not quite know what to do. And so I'll tell you, Karen, it's time to put your toes out the door. And so I said, Karen, what did you do? And she said, well, Allison, it sounded like a good idea while I was standing on the ground, but she (laughs) wanted to do it. So she got on the plane, and she said it really did happen quickly. They got to the correct altitude. He stood up, and when he stood up, she just stood up. And she said her heart started really beating fast. In fact, my heart's beating fast telling this story. And and they carabinered each other together, and they slowly started moving towards the door, and the door opened, and the, the cold air came rushing in. And she said she didn't know if she was excited or just terrified. 
and they got a little closer, and he said, Karen, cross your arms across your chest, and she did. And now she could see out the door, and it was 14,500 feet below, and the earth was passing by, and she could see the ground, and, and she thought to herself, I am alive. You know, I can feel this. And they got right to the door, and he said, Karen, put your toes out the door. And she did. And now she said as she's doing this that really at that moment with her toes out the door, with her arms crossed across her chest, that life really kind of stood still. And she almost embraced the moment with her heart pounding wildly. And then he grabbed hold, the instructor grabbed hold of the door jam, and he said, rock one, rock two, and on three they were out the door. Mm-hmm. And she screamed for a minute and a half. And, and when they hit the ground, and they videotaped it, so I've seen the video of it, when they hit the ground, Karen Fields, my friend, did not sleep for two days. The adrenaline in her body was so high, she was so full of life that she could not sleep for two days. And I looked at my own life and I thought, when was the time, when was the last time something's ever taken possession of me like that? And I don't know if it's fear or excitement, but I could think of a very few times. And so pushing past the one-yard line is being willing to call on every fiber of your courage, to be willing to cross your arms across your chest, to be willing to strap yourself to people that believe in you, that know in you, to be, to be able to walk towards exactly the destiny that you want, and finally to be willing to put your toes out the door. And as I said, just lean forward into life. And, you know, mm. at 50, I want to lean forward into life, and, and that's what it's about being able to push past that one-yard line. Well, I love that. Allison, can you tell folks how they can get a hold of your uh, seven-minute life daily planner? Because I think, you know, all of us want to be able to uh, embrace life like you've talked about and, and getting that planning process underway and getting our purpose in life written down. I know for me it's a whole lot easier when I've got a framework rather than a blank sheet of paper staring at me. Yeah, as I said, I was, you know, people think I'm super organized, and I really wrote this because my life was total chaos. I wanted to prioritize, organize, and simplify my life Mm -hmm. where I was focusing. And so I actually wrote the seven-minute difference uh, to help me understand how to live uh, a better life. And and that the seven-minute difference is available on Amazon. Uh, It's a paperback book, um, so you can do that there. You can also go to our website, the7minutedifference.com, and get autographed copies if you want the hardback. The 7-Minute Life Daily Planner is a completely different uh, tool. It's also available on Amazon. I don't know what their pricing is. It's $14.95 on our website, which I think is hilarious because, you know, I, I look at these tools and I think, good gracious, I wish I'd had something that for $14.95 I could have really put my arms around and and come to grips. It's a 90-day planner. It is not a calendar. It is not a calendar. It's a place to prioritize your life, to rewrite your purpose, to set your 90-day personal goals, to set your 90-day work goals, to set your financial goals, to set your life goals. It has places in there to create a master unfinished task list, And, and that task list is a mental clearinghouse because when we have unfinished tasks in our life and this is what I tell people when I set my 90-day goals part of what happened to me in the past is I would come in and I would set new fresh 90-day goals and as soon as I wrote them my psychology this behavioral framework would look at me and say Allison 
how dare you set new 90-day goals when you didn't finish the last 90-day goals? And I had so many unfinished commitments and open loops and unfinished things in my life that they literally were pulling me backwards in life rather than letting me go forward to become the person I wanted to become. So we teach a lot of classes, and all of every page in the planner has a corresponding YouTube video for free that's two to three minutes long, very short videos that will teach you how to use these tools. But if I can create a master unfinished task list and begin to slowly do one or two of those things a day, let's say that I had 50 problems on my to-do list. If I would commit to do two of those a day in 25 days, my task list would be clean, which gets that mental clutter out of my life. That's prioritizing, organizing, simplifying, get rid of the old so that I can move forward. So we have all of these tools, and you can get that planner at Amazon, or you can. we have a special uh, all the time where you can get a year's supply, and you buy four and get one free. So if you buy three planners, you get one free. And um, so it's a little cheaper on our website, and that is the seven minute difference dot com. But you can just buy one. You know, I, I just think fourteen ninety five. And, and I'm not here to sell planners. I'm here to try right. to get people's lives better. You know, I need some tools to shape my life, and I use it every day. And it is a behavioral shift for me, and it has taken the chaos out of my life and letting me take these five steps a day towards becoming the person that that I've always dreamed of becoming. Well, Allison, I so appreciate you being with us today. And I have also added the seven-minute difference to uh, the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, uh, bookstore. So you can uh, buy it there. I didn't know that the planners were there. Um, I have to run to take my son to his uh, basketball game when we're done. But um, I will make sure that that gets on there this weekend as well because we we, uh, our, our bookstore is powered by Amazon. Good. All right. Well, wonderful. Well, does anybody have a question or a comment for Allison? All right. Well, we will let you go, Allison. Uh, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous sunny day here in Tampa, so uh, I'm hoping you're having nice weather for your weekend, too. Thank you so much. All right. Terrific. We will talk to you again. Thanks. Terrific. And I'm going to turn off the recording now because what's said on the rest of the egg call stays on the egg call. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.